Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 109. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. Tim and Christopher coming to you from the communications level of our remote semi-subterranean northern main layer. And I feel like at this stage it's been like at least a thousand podcasts that you've said that, and we should just tell people it's how your, could it be? If your, this is episode one hundred nine. How could we have done it over a basement. thousand of a thousand? Podcasts? It's your basement. We're in your basement. The communications level. <laughs> of the Hello, everyone. How are semi subterranean. We're really punchy. It's, it's been it's it's week, week nine. nine. Yeah, we're just about done with this semester. Uh, the weather's changing. Everything's changing. Uh, we're headed out tomorrow to do solos, so if you think we're punchy now, give us a couple of days where we have nobody to talk to but each other, and we'll be real punchy. It's going to be weird. We always say we'll bring this thing and this little recorder that we use and record a podcast while we're out there, and then we get out there and start thinking about what we'll record and realize that it's not fit for anyone to ever hear. Right. It would just, just be like... shiverish. That would be when they send the big padded van up and put us both in it and take us to Shady Acres. <laughs> Together Trem- forever. Tre- trembling Acres. Together forever. <laughs> <laughs> in a van oh man um yeah so we've got that going for us it's, it's a, uh, it's a thing. so we just wrapped up as part of the fall wilderness bushcraft semester this year we added a new exercise which was a 48-hour primitive living experiment where students uh, took off onto the land and they were only able to bring things that they had made plus a tarp and a sleeping bag uh, so that they didn't have to stay warm by fire um, and were able to get out of the rain. But think, you know, no matches, no metal pots, no uh, store-bought string, you know, cordage they made themselves, you know, a bow drill kit with a natural string they had made themselves, coal burn bowls, natural rope, uh, pack frames, that sort of a thing. Yeah, so even the tools that they brought for... You know, making uh, making feather sticks for fire and stuff like that. They brought yeah, a knife. A, a they, knife made they made themselves. All sorts of stuff. So, they were, I chatted with most of them. I chatted with all of them this morning on their way up. Um, they were sort of my alarm clock this morning. Um, they all walked by my my little campsite on their way back up from the river where we had them sort of uh, camped over the last couple of days. And every single one of them had a big old smile on their face. And um, it's this interesting thing where it's, it's the smile on their face from, I think about it every time we do any kind of solo, is a smile on their face from the experience themselves or from like getting to share that experience. Like you're the first person they've talked to in two days. Um, and yeah, they, you have this awesome yeah. experience and you can't wait to share it with people. Uh, or maybe their smile is like, thank God that's over. Yeah, there's so there's uh, this, there's this, <laughs> I actually, I was thinking about it this morning. There's this uh, 
book from an old, uh, this is an old book called the Havmal, which is the sayings of Har. And in it, one of the quotes is Har. Har was the name. It's, it's a, it's an old, uh, Not Dar. No, not the character, the main character from the movie, the Beastmaster and Beastmaster two, not that person. So anyway, um, so the quote is, uh, young was I once and wandering walked alone. Um, but then, uh, Finding a comrade, I was cheered, for man is cheered by man. And there's something about that, like this idea that like, yeah, when you're, when you're, it's good to go out on your own and learn these things, but like the, the bringing it back and like that first person you see, like they're going to get, they're going to get all of your attention in that moment because we're a social species and you haven't talked to anybody for 48 hours. And it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, for me, it's a pretty cool thing to get to have that with each of them as they walked by was it is. It's, it's awesome. cool. Like they're just they're so happy they did. Like they what is the other the other thing that we always talk about, the Dao De Jing, which is like when uh the the master does his job right, everybody says, Look what we did and Amazing this, we did it all and our this own. morning. They all walked by and were like, Look what I did it all on my own. Look what I did. And it's it's awesome. It's, it's such a cool thing. It is awesome. We should do this always. Yeah, I like this. I like it a lot. Mm -hmm. the, the idea of the culminating experience to a long course is pretty yeah. epic. So now what we have on the go is uh, today is a day off. And then tomorrow we head out for solos. So it's a similar sort of thing uh, with the exception that it's not about primitive living. Uh, it can be. But the point of the exercise there is to have students go out and sort of reflect on the experience and be welcomed back to their home planet right the this earth is what gave us life and going back to that you know sort of uh, as as this new iteration of yourself kind of heady stuff every time you say it that way welcoming back to your home planet i imagine that that i'm actually a space alien and no one knows it except the viewing audience i know it <laughs> i know i, I was also born yeah, on this exactly, planet like exactly. all you other carbon-based life forms tim and i had this idea <laughs> a few years ago for a uh, a sitcom which was like a Oh, well, you really want to go there right now? I do. All I right. do. All right. Yeah, Tim and I had this idea for a sitcom where it was uh, an alien that came to Earth to like study human beings, and he goes to get a roommate, but the roommate that he gets is a mole man who's also come up from under the ground to study humans, but neither of them know the other one isn't a regular human. So like hijinks ensue, and you know this I, is this is the sort of thing. This is why we don't <laughs> podcast on solos because you're sitting around bored for three days. <laughs> I mean, we can't leave because we're there from a safety <gasps> perspective. But yeah, like no but, one wants to hear. This is no, insanity. No, no, like the, the, but the, 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 soft, <laughs> the padded bus is going to show up in like three minutes. But the thing, the thing that I realized <laughs> with it was that was that that's that's just me trying to put a story to Tim and I's relationship. We're just a mole man and an alien trying to figure Wh it all which out. Which one's which? You decide. I don't know. I want you to tell me if you've got it figured out. That was just random, like. <laughs> crazy talk at one point it's a, it's a, but, but now it's like the this is the mythos by which we're living our lives this is the, the great story i am the mole man <laughs> okay anyway What's um yeah um so yeah 48 hour thing was cool we're excited to go out on solos um you know i kind of made a joke about it but tim's right it's heady stuff and it's a different it's a different experience because with this one the focus is totally on the hard, um, the hard skills of living with a certain level of technology, um, which these guys have, like this group has knocked it out of the park. We had one student that finished all the journeyman stuff, which we set up for people to finish in nine weeks. He finished it in seven. Um, so we've got a lot of really like hard charging people on this program. And so they jumped at the opportunity to go do this. And, um, 
you know, in chatting with some of them, what I noticed was that, um, you know, day-to-day life of living outdoors takes extra time. It even like starting, starting your fire in the morning to cook, all that stuff takes a little longer than it does at home. But with this exercise where you're doing it with even, even more or even less infrastructure, even more like sort of uh, like primitive technology, everything takes even longer. So your whole 48 hours of this was about like making sure you met your basic needs. And then the solos that we're going to go out on are about, you know, if you're thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, this last 48 hours was the bottom of the pyramid. And then the solos are the top. The solos are the, Ooh, the well solos. Well done. Look the, at you. See, I can bring it back for a moment. And wow. Oh, Not me. Oh, Not Tim me. of Little Faith. Not me. Um, but so, so, the, so the solos are the top of that pyramid where you're, you're going and you're, you're letting your mind get bored and letting it sort of letting that like hind brain that's been like slowly processing all this stuff that happens at a breakneck speed over the semesters. You're letting it you're letting yourself kind of address it and and like figure out what was the most important point to you. What were the stuff that's going to stick with you forever? Even if it's something as, you know, we had a student a few years ago who had uh, a red squirrel on his solo that just screamed at him the whole time. And he was like, if, if, if I had come up here in week one that it happened, I would have written it off as like annoying nature. But then I did these mammal studies and I understood that red squirrels are super territorial and that I was having this, this relationship with an entity that wasn't human. And that's like, you know, you say heady stuff, like that's heady stuff. Like if you are in the modern world and you're constantly concerned with human problems, that is, that is where you get bogged down. But if you are, if you are interacting with other, other species, whether it's plants, animals, anything, and seeing the way that they live their life and the way that they solve the same problems you are, you, you know, Tim, Tim likes to talk about this quote from True North, which is about wrapping your experience in the wilderness as a, a big blanket around you. And I would say that having these solo experiences where you interact with these creatures isn't a blanket. It's like, it's like knowing that um, there's a, a blanket is passive, but this is like having a bunch of my brain is going to armed bodyguards of intellect around you. But that's not what I mean. I mean, like you have you are part of a bigger community than just humans. And that's like that's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, and we always make a point to make sure that we do the solos while the students are here. You know, in a in a in an alternative universe, maybe they at the end of the course would go and take some solo time. But we realize that the second they drive out of here, even before, you know, their their mind is already caught up with the cares of the modern world. So mm-hmm. we need to do it as part of this experience to kind of bookend the entire experience. And that's what the solo is to go out on the land, realize how your relationship with the land has changed and is deeper and is different than when you started. Yeah. And it's also, we also, you know, with that in mind, we, we make sure that we do these solos, not on the property. We go and do them somewhere else where they don't, we got to remove them from the distractions for this to happen. So out of your element. Yeah. And not just your, you know, people have been up here for nine weeks. People are ready to, people are ready to head, um, head home and they're you know this morning people are already like they're packing for the trip but they're also starting to pack up other stuff to go so if we did solos here in a place they were used to all they think about the whole time is how quickly they can get on the road but if you take them to a new place where um, you know there isn't there isn't that distraction and you let them sit even even the most like stir crazy person by the third the third night is uh is is has calmed down and is just like letting letting that stuff happen letting the process happen to them and that's incredibly val- i don't think the experience i think the experience would be 
mar or like substantially less powerful the semester as a whole would be substantially less powerful if we didn't have this capstone for the whole program agreed yeah i feel like i'm running my mouth a lot no i think it's great i was just i want to i actually want to do the quote because i've butchered that quote from true north so many times uh true north elliot merrick probably my one of my favorite all-time books i've probably read it 20 times one of my biggest heroes in the world, John Michelin. Just what he is like the the tire guy, right? Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's pretty awesome. Yeah, uh, he awesome. was the trapper that Elliot Merrick and Kay went up into the interior of Labrador with in 1930. And uh, I've actually uh, was cleaning out some old bins um, in one of the barns, and I found an old vest that I had. And started wearing it again and then just got another one. And uh, basically, I'm trying to copycat John Michelin because he always talked about how he always wore a waistcoat, a.k.a. a vest, with a heavy shirt in the winter when he was out mm. working. And, and that's kind of a, something that I've been doing for years. And now looking back, I wonder if I adopted that 25 years ago because I had read John Michelin did it. And he's kind of my I think hero. it's just because it looks good on you. Well, duh. Duh. I mean, now I'm a bit of a fashionista. <laughs> Uh, do you have the quote? Yeah. All right. Uh, hit us. So he's talking about, they're up in a tiny little tilt up in Labrador. And I'll just read this section. When, uh, when we rolled in our blankets and there was no sound but the fire and the regular breathing, a great lightness and sense of well-being flooded me. This has been one of the candlelit, balsam smell, happy evenings I shall remember forever. If ever I'm dragged back to the city again... I shall gird myself in these evenings five feet thick and nothing can touch me. Pretty epic. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I feel like that's what the solo experience is. Totally. Putting the capstone on this experience, this amazing life experience these people are having. And you think about, like, when I think about it, whenever I'm somewhere difficult, last winter, you know, when I was sick in the hospital with COVID, I thought a lot about like what are the times that if I could I close my eyes and a sort of escape the mundanity of of being in the hospital and I'm like so where where did you want to go and for me it was being out on a winter trip you know being out on like a on that Bonaventure canoe trip we did years ago with that great group or being out on a winter trip and like you know living life by by its barest essentials and life in the elements and that sort of mm -hmm. a thing and and you think and when you know in my mind when I transported to being there like nothing could touch me it's pretty pretty good pretty good stuff yeah um if you haven't read it do yourself a favor get a copy of true north by elliot merrick just epic epic book epic stories uh and essentially in a nutshell he went to i think he went to yale university in the 1920s uh, the first five pages is an ode to escapism where he's kind of not happy with his life working in the big city. And then he went and was a school teacher in Labrador and, um, married a nurse from Australia up there. And in their second or third year up there, went up the Grand River to the interior with the trappers and subsistence hunted and fished and then snowshoed back. So pulling canoes up 300 miles of river living on snowshoes and then snowshoeing and dragging toboggans back to town God, over I'm the course wimp. of like six months. I'm such a wimp. Those people were so hard. I'm it's such ridiculous. a wimp. Like, it's just hard. Yeah. Like, oh, we only made 40 miles today on snowshoes. Like, are you kidding me? I can't even make 40 <laughs> miles a day in my truck. I know. I get tired and right. fall asleep. I get to stop for a nap somewhere along mm -hmm. the way. Yeah. And maybe an espresso. Ooh. <laughs> Anyway, we have that to look forward to this week, the uh, solo experience. 
um, super powerful for students. Um, and then it leaves Christopher and I to sit around in camp and come up with wacky uh, stories about mole people and aliens. Yeah, wacky uh, sitcom plots. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, we, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the only way we can talk to each other anymore. Oh, it's the end of the year, end of the season, like another long season. It's a really long one. And we have nothing left to say to no. each other. It's amazing that we're still speaking on record right now yeah i don't i don't think if the we weren't recording we wouldn't be tim talking. and i have tim and i have a little bucket by the like door to our our quote-unquote recording studio and we both have to drop our knives in it before we start recording just it's just safer that way yeah because knife fights yeah okay but they're like also breakdance fights you have to break dance with the knife nah, in i was gonna teeth. tell you i'm a child of the 80s if we were gonna fight instead of fighting we would break dance it off yeah that's why uh, no one will remember your name. Also, newsflash, um, for the next Olympics, uh, I'm going to be an alternative captain on the U.S. breakdancing team. Are you going to... I'm wearing gonna, leg warmers right now. I showed Tim a song this morning, and I think that that's... <laughs> I think this is how it started, is that I think Tim's breakdance routine will be to Annie Lennox's No More I Love Yous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right? One of them. One of them. Yeah, I'm working on some new material. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the wheels are already off of this thing. The wheels we started off. Of I think we started in like the Flintstone mobile, but the rocks weren't even. Did there. you see the picture I have of the guy? It was on the way to to northern Quebec. A yeah. guy like recreated the Flint, Fred Flintstone's car out of logs. Yep, that's a great photo. Yep. I keep expecting you to show up one day in it. If I could find that thing again, if I could make a, a we could working, make it. Yeah, we could, but it would take work. <laughs> Um, okay, so let's jump into the kind of the meat of this, which is the, um, yeah, do yeah. you want to talk about? Yeah, so we we have a couple of things here that we want to talk about, which is, the first is Tim had a question about us having an apprentice program. Yeah, somebody asked me worth recently, talking about. do you guys have an apprentice program? And I thought about it for a little bit, and I said, yes, of course we have an apprentice program. And essentially around here, um, you're an apprentice until you get your journeyman certification, because that's the next level, the next rung of the ladder, so to speak, on the way from being a complete novice till you're, uh, you know, an accomplished guide and or instructor slash expert. You know, and, yeah. the, and the different levels of that are, you know, number one, in order to to be become like a competent instructor or guide, you know, the first step along the journey is to kind of get your feet under you with regards to the specific content. So to become a subject matter expert. And I don't know that there's any sort of secret to that. Uh, we have a saying around here that it's all about the reps. Everything is about the reps, that you need a certain amount of experience and having done things a certain number of times until you can be good at them and sort of understand everything that goes into it. But a content matter uh, or a subject matter expert does not make a good instructor right off the bat. So, you know, first you are a apprentice, then you have your journeyman cert, and that means that you're sort of dangerous and know enough to be able to go do things uh on your own and start getting more and more reps, you know, and then you have to learn the, uh, the ins and outs of how to teach, how to guide, how to manage people in a remote situation. And that's a whole nother skill set. So, you know, if you think about like the competent instructor, yes, they're a subject matter expert. They also have to be a soft skills, uh, I don't know, expert, but they have to know what they're doing. Um, and, you know, understand how the teaching process works. So there, you know, at that point, there are a lot of balls in the air. But we definitely have an apprentice program, and it's just any basic course until you're 
uh, ready to move beyond that. Yeah. And so with that, we, you know, we've on occasion brought people back to help out with programs and stuff, but that's kind of like an invite only thing because we have a lot of people come through that, you know, get, get journeyman's and get the journeyman cert and are really competent. But, you know, especially for the longer programs, the, if the soft skills aren't there, it's, it's hard. Um, so like the fit has to be really good. So we're pretty, I would say we're pretty picky about who we ask to come and help us out with programs. And it's not because, um, it's not for any other reason other than that we just kind of need, need need them to fit into the the gears that are already there. Right. I think. Yeah, um, I, I do agree yeah. wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then that's kind of where we're at right now, right? Like we're. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to admit that right now. I kind of lost the thread there a little bit. I'm still oh, thinking about. Man. I need to burrow back down into my mole hole and think for a little while. Yeah, uh, I'll get in my spaceship and fly up to the stars later. I keep telling you, Tim. Just the Yeti cooler cannot fly. You got to stop getting inside of it. Oh, okay. It's got that little warning about children getting locked in it for a reason. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's how that works. Apprentice program. Yes, we have one. It is the you know the basic stuff. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, and I think I think it's also worth mentioning that that's sort of by design that we only really like bring on apprentices from from our programs that we've already run. Yeah, because if, um, yeah, it's hard to bring somebody into a pre-existing like culture and program and have them just run for it if they've already been here for nine weeks or a couple of times for stuff. Then they kind of get the drill, get like the day-to-day stuff, and we don't have to like reteach anybody anything. Right. Uh, years ago, I think it was two years in a row, I had uh, actually lost some pretty good friendships. I had two two friends of mine that were super hot to kind of get into teaching bushcraft and guiding, and they had not completed our semester program, so they came in and worked here for a semester with us um, and ended up, you know, hard feelings, and, uh, you know, I think they had some expectations that were different than what life here is actually like, and, you know, I look back on that sadly because i lost two really solid friendships as a result um so that just you know our experience is that that just doesn't work you yeah know, you have to be a student here first to sort of understand what's going on and to temper your expectations as to what you would actually get out of the uh experience yeah i think about it, i think i whenever i think about it i think about like those big like the voyager style birch bark canoes where there's like 30 people in it all paddling at once um and they got to be in a good rhythm to make that thing move forward so if you just grabbed you know five of those people and they'd never been in a boat with the other people before there's going to be some like you're going to hit up a couple of rocks as people are trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing. Right. right. And everybody's and out of sync. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I bet no, pull it off, no, though. no, 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 <laughs> no. Before I saw a glint in his eye and I knew as soon as I said out of sync or you said it, you yes. set yourself up for that. Will you just make it? I think, don't know. The, I think the nineties boy band in sync could pull it off. Oh, <laughs> 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 And that, yeah. that ladies that, and gentlemen, is the organic nature of how things occur on this podcast. Yep, there yep. Was, there is no script. There is no script, but <laughs> we know where each other's going all the time, and our, you know, it's almost like it's almost like some form of like some form of like, like sitcom e- where no, one's an alien. And no, the I was gonna say like ESP, where I can like I can like in my brain predict the jokes you're gonna make, and what's even what's great about it well, is I got that, ESPN. Yeah, I hear, I hear. Um, so I can predict those jokes, and what I've done now is I do the groan internally before you make the joke, oh. and then I don't have to respond. Those and, guys, when we and were and don't having, give uh, you what you need. 
So this point in the course, we're trying to manage everybody's energy levels. We're trying to keep everybody going and hard charging to the finish line. So part of that is, I think twice in the last two weeks, I've made a big Dutch oven dinner for everybody on the course. Kind of a chance to get out of camp and, um, you know, come across the road and, and whatever. Different different meal, a lot of the, calories. Up to the right side of the tracks. Um, so, uh, and two of the guys were saying that, you know, by like week six, they could they could sense when there was a joke coming. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, it's it's a uh, yeah. I got to work on my delivery. I think you just I think yeah. Work on your delivery. That's probably a good plan. Um, yeah. So let's. Uh, wow. Where are we? <laughs> uh, we're in the subterranean yeah, yeah. level of. So looking at uh, yeah, yeah, yeah our other things <laughs> on our list to talk about here today. Uh, we wanted to talk briefly about our online network. Which Specifically is our, talk to you guys about it. Yeah, talk to our viewing, our listening audience about the online network we have at bushcraftschool.com. Um, we've had it up now for just about two years. And we've got like 600 members. Uh, it's more than that. It, it, it's free we to get join. get a couple every day. And we're trying to figure out what the what the best way forward is. I mean, initially it was we were running courses on there, like facilitating our in-person courses by using it as an online bulletin board. And that was, and it still is kind of how we justify, you know, the expense of having this thing. But, but, you know, we're really curious what people are interested in. And again, we have a lot of people who've joined who, and some of them may be listening to this. And, and, and like, there's a pretty core active group of people on it too, that are kind of always putting stuff up and chatting with each other. And, yeah, um, and that makes us think like we should do more with it, but we don't, really know what the approach is for that we're trying to figure out what's the next right step forward with that so you know one option is to kind of start like a full-blown online courses sort of a full-blown online university if you will of bushcraft and outdoor living guide training so we have the uh you know running specific courses and having people sign up for the courses and you know limit the enrollment um that sort of a thing and uh, it's definitely something we're still planning on doing is having more content there that people can engage with from a course perspective. Um, I've always been a little bit leery about sort of online education. I realize that's like a the bit of the dinosaur in me that, uh, you know, all this new sort of online stuff. And I realize the cat is totally out of the bag as a result of this pandemic that we've been kind of slogging through for the last 15 or so months. Uh, but just real quick. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. That's a that's a dinosaur joke and a joke about the notebook, the movie. What? Somebody will get it. The okay. notebook? Yeah. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. Dinosaurs are birds. That's a quote from the movie. It's just you're the, saying the, you're a dinosaur. There's a movie called The Notebook. Is that what you're telling yeah. me? And that's it's a like joke from it? the most tragic love story of all time. What? It's so good. I thought that was Dumb and Dumber. I don't know, man. <laughs> I just, I just felt like I needed to make the ornithology joke, and the only way I knew it was through the vein of uh, I don't even know what you're talking attractive about. Hollywood movie stars. Because I've been with you for a while. Who's so. in that movie? Uh, Ryan Gosling and who, who? Rachel and they're McAdams. supposed to be stars. Have they ever been on a reality TV show? I don't Not think like so. You have. I don't know if you guys in the listening audience knew this about me, but I was on one al- one episode of a reality TV show. That's kind of my go-to. Uh, that's my go-to introduction. Way to get Christopher thing, to you know. shut himself up. Yeah, like um, when I introduced myself, uh, like last week when I went to the grocery store in Presque Isle, I asked the manager, like, "Do you excuse me? Do you have a separate checkout line for celebrities?" Because I was on one episode of a reality TV show. <laughs> 
so anyway, we we uh, that's entirely my fault. I apologize for derailing oh. that. But so we we are trying to figure out how to make um how to make it useful for people involved, right? How to how to be of use to our community. In yeah, the best and way so we want to hear from you guys. We have a couple of ideas of how to go forward with it, but we're you know we don't we're not great at online stuff. Um, so we're kind of curious what you guys would think about it. Yeah. So if you're a member, if you're not a member, go to bushcraftschool.com and join up. You got to use your real name. Um, but it doesn't cost anything. And we use real names because like nobody wants to interact with Bushmaster 007 or, you know, some other internet handle. And I think, you know, the internet handle bit and the sort of anonymity of the web is one of the reasons why society is starting to crater in general. Uh, so trying to avoid that and, you know, talk to people like you would if you were in person, I yeah. think is a valuable thing. But yeah, if you're not a member, go there, join up and let us know like, hey, what do you want to get out of this? What do you like if it was, say, online courses, do you want them in, uh, you know, hard skills? Like, should we do a thing on how to choose and use a good knife and the skills you should have in order to be consider yourself competent with a knife is it more like the the weather course that we currently have on there with a, a lot of the nature study stuff that you can do at home where you wouldn't have to you know have a access to tons of woods or a big alder patch or something that you can carve all day so we're we are looking for feedback we're looking for what do people want to get out of that yeah um, yeah, and I think it's important to say, like, no idea is too crazy. Like, we're just trying, like, if you have something that you've been thinking about for a while that we haven't put up there, let us know. Because we're, essentially what happens is once we're done with this course and it gets to winter, Tim and I spend the whole winter trying to find things to do other than winter trips. And so um, that's usually when a lot of this, a lot of the moving parts happen for office work for us. So, yeah, yeah, jump on it. So, the, <laughs> this... When we wrap up this course, we've got one more course coming up, uh, the Autumn Woodsman. There's still, I think, two or maybe three spaces left in it coming up in a couple of weeks. If you're interested in jumping on board, uh, jump on board. After that, the next thing we have going on is the uh, Boreal Snowshoe Expedition coming in February. And we haven't run that for two years because of this pandemic. Yep. Um, so we're hopeful that this Delta variant will be gone by then and that the state of Maine won't uh, say no you can't go do this like they have the last couple of years basically there's no social distancing in a winter tent scenario it's basically cram a bunch of people into a small warm space and and be out on the land so we're really looking forward to that that one's pretty close to being full yeah. now uh so we've had people that you know kind of a backlog of people who couldn't do it last year or the year before and so we're really hopeful that, that uh, we'll be able to pull that off this year. Yeah, and the year-long program um, in Vermont with School of the Forest is, uh, so I think we got two spots left for it, um, and we're still kind of, uh, we probably have to sign up for the next session, but there's still room in it for people that are interested. So if so, get in touch. It, it's been a blast so far. I'm looking forward to seeing what the next year holds. And what an amazing opportunity because you don't, in order to participate in that, you don't have to drive all the way up here to Aroostook County. You're not basically covering the entire length of Interstate 95 through the state of Maine. Yeah, we're we're really close to a lot of major cities. And so this is a particularly good program for, um, you know, people that are kind of in the Boston area or, you know, southern New Hampshire. How far are you out of Rio de Janeiro? Is that like southern Maine? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. I, me I started measuring everything by soup cans. So you're going to have to, I will do anything I can to avoid using the metric system. 
but I also realized that my feet aren't actually a foot long. They're a little bit longer. So I needed to come up with a different measurement system. So I've just been laying soup cans against things and counting them. That's why I tripped over all those soup cans the other day. Mm-hmm. Well, I also figured that you and I need a way to talk to each other because you're up the hill now from camp. So I've just been slowly running white string up the uh, up the whole uh, driveway down to the field school up to your house. And so there's going to be soup cans on either end and you and I can lay in bed and talk to each other all night. That sounds terrifying. Yeah, well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Um, it's the thing I learned with my people, the moles. <laughs> <laughs> This is the first podcast where I've ever felt like I'm the one making stupid jokes more than you are, and I don't know what's happening. I have no idea how to rein anybody in. Like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm much more, skill I'm set. more of an enabler than than anything else. Yeah. So, well, okay. Uh, after uh, switching gears, yeah. After the Autumn Woodsman course, uh, Tim is going to take the show on the road. I'm going to drive, it looks like, from Maine to Texas for a couple of months where I'll spend some time with my family. Um, But if you're along that route somewhere from Maine to Texas, I'm going to bring a canoe with me. Um, Last year, I brought a canoe and a kayak and went to Texas. And and Phil Salonik and I had big plans on canoeing the Rio Grande through Big Bend. How close Um, is that to Rio de Janeiro? I don't know. It's got Rio in it. It must Uh, be right next to each other then. uh, Yeah. Uh, and then we'll listen to Duran Duran's song Rio over and over while we do it. But I had planned to do that, got COVID, didn't go. So this year I'm hoping to finally get down on that waterway. So I'm bringing a canoe with me. If you're somewhere between uh, Maine and Texas and you know of great uh, canoeable water in your neck of the woods, uh, I'm basically looking for a way to break up the drive. So if you could... Let me know, comment on this, or or throw up a post at bushcraftschool.com, and let me know someplace that I should see, right? Yeah, and uh, if you guys, I mean, I'm going to throw Tim some extra work here, but if if uh, if you're somebody along that way that, um, that we've interacted with before and you're doing cool stuff outdoors, let us know so we can... As, as you guys can tell from this episode, Tim and I have very little of substance left to say on the podcast. So the more people we can get to come on, the better. So if that's something you guys want, any of you are interested in, give give Tim a heads up, and um, we can can get something of a little more. Yeah, yeah. maybe take the the, the road show. Yeah, the road show, yeah. the Tim Smith Road Show. Yeah, we we'll shoot some video, some podcasting from the road. Hashtag uh, roadshow. Are they going to be antique roads? Hashtag van, van. No, I don't have a van. Hashtag truck life. I don't know. I'm reaching. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be hip, right? I'm trying to be with it, like all the cool kids these days that live in vans. You know, it's so weird. Years ago, if you lived in a van, remember that old Chris Farley skit? It was a big joke to live in a van down by the river. And now people are getting like $400,000 vans and tricking them out with cabinets and stuff. And it's like desirable. I like, I like, like, where, the, like hang on, that? hang on. The line of things being tricked out for you is that it's cabinets? RVs have had cabinets since like the 60s. No, no, I, saw, I saw a thing where these people were like, oh, we're going we're gonna to do our van build. And like they spend like... I don't know how much money and time putting cabinets in a van. Like you're one like fender bender away from all your dishes smashing anyway. What? Why have you put so much thought into this problem? I don't know. <laughs> well, like because I think of that Chris Farley skit about living in a van down by the river, and now everybody's doing it for real. Yeah, they're living in a da- van down by the river, right? And eventually, someone else that lives in a van down by the river comes in and belly flops onto all their cabinets with their dishes in it and breaks it. That's how the sketch went, right? Was it? 
I think it was a table. A friend of mine, oh, good Chris Farley story. So a friend of mine named Guy, uh, uh, I won't say his last name, but a real good friend. I've known him for like, I don't know, close to 30 years now. And he went to the University of Wisconsin at Madison in the 80s, late 1980s. And his roommate or something knew Chris Farley from growing up. So my friend Guy's friend knew Chris Farley. And Chris Farley came up and stayed at their uh, house they rented at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. And uh, he broke his table. And so that was the thing. And it was funny because then that skit became popular. And that was sort of his shtick. But he was actually doing it in real life. Yeah. So to bring this around for a circle, if you were doing anything interesting in the outdoors, it's really clear that we have... Nothing to talk about outdoor wise, or if if you yeah, uh, and I would love to know like yeah hey, yeah yeah hey what's the best if I'm driving through Tennessee where should I not miss if I'm gonna throw yeah. a boat in the water in Tennessee or like uh you know and I'm familiar with like the I've looked online like the the white I think it's the white the Buffalo River in Arkansas uh, but if you have suggestions uh, let us know yeah one yeah, of the cool great. one of the things um, years ago I I had a book the uh, <laughs> pole paddle and portage bill riviere bill was a Maine guide world war ii he walked the border like in northwestern maine that was kind of his job during the war and then he became a Maine guide wrote a whole bunch of books and his book pole paddle and portage has always been i think i've always had a copy since i was a little kid and there's a scene in there where i think he's canoeing in the oki finoki swamp in georgia and it was just cool he's like pulling his boat and the just the idea of like taking those Maine guide canoe skills and taking them to different regions right um and it's always kind of stuck with me. And now maybe that's what this winter will be. I bring this boat down to Texas. We'll probably canoe on Town Lake in Austin and maybe the San Marcos River. Hopefully the uh, Rio Grande and, you know, maybe a few others along the way. That's kind of the impetus. So would love to hear, hey, here's an awesome like local gem that maybe isn't in the sort of silly internet top 10 lists of places you need to paddle. Yeah. Like we, we end up on all those lists for schools and none of the people who write these things ever come here. Uh, like the writers yeah. they don't call they don't interview so i'm pretty sure whenever any like top 10 list on the internet they just google something that's like the that's the extent of journalism in 2021 like oh yeah we'll do a, a f article about the top 10 like kitchen knives and all they do is go find the 10 that sell the best you know like they don't actually try them and use yeah. them and so i'm not super interested in like the top 10 uh canoe routes that some internet writer has come up with like i would like to hear from people who've been there yeah and you got you guys are a great resource for that i'm speaking to the audience here is that you guys you guys are all people that are interested in this stuff and make time to get out and do it and so we would much rather hear from you yeah than like Google. each other yeah no definitely not that i definitely don't want to hear anything else from you today are we done? I think we're definitely done. Yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening. Yep. I am sorry for not raining anything in today. Um, deeply, deeply sorry. Yeah. This is Christopher's Midwestern. He's apologizing for I'm stuff again. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry. And I, being the yeah. pushy East Coast guy, will be like, you should be. Yeah, um, I am. I'm anyway. so sorry. I'm going to I'm gonna have to think a lot about my life choices tonight. Yeah. You should. I'm going to. It's going to be like four days. Thanks again for listening. <laughs> Wish us well out on solos. And uh, we'll hit you back Nobody again. Nobody tell the van where we are. Yeah, don't tell the van. We'll be in an undisclosed North Main West yeah. location. Uh, thanks for listening. Have a great day. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. 
For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.